0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Weima. Today, we have Yulian Kunchoff on the show. He's the uh, creator, author of UUID package, and I guess you could say Dart, right? It's a pure Dart package, right? Yes. Yeah, so welcome to the show. How are you? I'm
1: good. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my first podcast ever, so it should be fun.
0: And you thought UUIDs were boring and nobody ever wants to hear about them, right?
1: Yeah, when you when you mentioned UUIDs I'm like of
0: all the packages why why UUIDs. Well, and I think I started to explain a bit right. I'm a big proponent of UUIDs um I don't know like I'm starting off like I my career started off with kind of rails I think for more professional side and uh of course there they start with integer IDs for the database. And Uh, that was all I knew. And I always thought in my mind, like, what if I run out? Like there has to be like a limit. I think it's like billions or something. Right. So it would take most applications some time, unless of course you were saving a ridiculous amount of stuff. Uh, but that always was in the back of my mind. And then, um, the other thing that I was also came to my mind was like, obviously you can start to guess records because they go sequential. Right. And, um, I got introduced to UIDs working at another company. And I thought this is ridiculous, you know, it's so long, so ugly. And then uh, I asked, you know, why are we using this? I said, well, you know, for the exact reason about exhaustiveness. Uh, they didn't talk about the predictiveness, but I think that's definitely um, kind of a what do you call that? Mm, what is it? Like it's like a byproduct or something. It's 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 another plus I would say. So people cannot always predict. But oh, well, but actually that was possible with previous versions of UUID, right? There's like four, five, six versions, I think. Yeah, there's. Um,
1: um... From the main spec, there's five of them, one through five. Um, One isn't really used nowadays. I think it was just the same as, uh, or UDV one is the one, or it is used, uh, I'm confusing too. Uh, One is used and it's time-based. So there's a, you just use current time to increment part, part of it. Then you have a few little bits as counters and a little extra like information and then there's like a random bit or a mac but there's like extra space for a random or extra information um related to like you can use mac addresses and such in order to like partition it based on like machines if you need to Um, but and then there two was like and five are the same except two uses md5 and um or no two use is the same as four but uses md5 four uses SHA one I think it was off the top of my head, um, three and five are the same, um, in terms of they have namespaces, but three is like MD five uses, uses the generated number from two, uh, and then namespaces it with like another, like a namespace UID to get like a, a, another output. Four is completely random also, but with SHA uh, like instead of MD five, it uses SHA and then, um, five is the same as three, where it has a namespace, but uses the four for its random bit instead of, so that's the relation. And now there's a new RFC that's currently almost done being almost out of draft stage, which adds six, seven, and eight, which are going to be kind of the future of UID. Um, six kind of replaces, uh, one. Seven kind of does a better version of six because six is for compatibility reasons and eight is a special one that can be vendor specific. It's just a completely like opens. You only just have to follow the format and put an eight for the version, but all the other information could be whatever the person wants or the company or uh, whatever. So like eight will not be the same between implementations. I don't think ever, maybe a few here and there.
0: Well, the 8 sounds complicated because, I mean, basically people can start to kind of use the same prefix, right?
1: Well, 8 is designed to be uh, something that you would use, like, say, internally within a company or on a personal project. It's not designed to be some kind of universal in-between kind of solution. That's what 6 and 7 are for.
0: But that defeats the purpose of UUID, right? I think the first one is universal now. Universal unique identifier?
1: Well, I mean, so when I meant universal, I mean, uh, universal between implementations. So like if you generate UID seven and dart, it'll be the same UID seven in the C-sharp library and the same UID seven, um, in this other application, for example, for eight, uh, let's say Gmail has their own implementation of U- UID V eight, that's not necessarily compatible or not generated the same way as say the flutter implementation like it's 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 has this ambiguity to it while still maintaining a format that is compatible with each other like it'll still parse it as a uudv 8 but all of a sudden it won't have the same information per se in it it's it's uh kind of a weird one in the whole spec it's very nebulous
0: you're blowing my mind over here it's hard for me to keep track of <laughs> the difference of them i don't know how you can keep eight different versions in your mind
1: because I've had to implement, or to be fair, two th- two and three are no longer implemented nowadays. So, you know, I only know them because I read the spec. One, four, and five are the only ones that people implement, and five is not very popular, like the namespacing concept. Um, so, uh, six, so one and four are really the most important ones, and then six and seven are going to be important here in the future. And eight will take the place of five, I think, in the future also. Because you can you you can use the the version eight as a pseudo replacement for five by just following the same process. It's, there's a lot to it. I mean, it's I've been I, I've been maintaining the UOD library for ten years, so it's it's been it's it's a lot of
0: bugs and a lot of other stuff related to it. What what kind of bugs could you be getting? Is it is it there's like a timing attack or something?
1: Not really timing, but. Um, Some of the bugs were mostly compatibility related stuff. Uh, one of the biggest problem is Google authenticator. Um, so when you generate a Google authenticator or sorry, I'm, I'm confusing this with another library. No, uh, for UID it's mostly, um, just getting it right so that it matches the, the vectors in the spec and it matches all ones. like a few, it's mostly V one, for example. Uh, different uh, precision of time changes things um like in javascript and dart you mostly have up to milliseconds of, of precision but in other languages you can go down to nanoseconds um you also have microseconds too in dart but like that that precision changes uh certain aspects of the uid information that you can generate like for the ones that can go to nanoseconds they don't have to deal with clock sequences um in the clock sequence part of the uid uh while if you do milliseconds you do have to do a counter uh a mandatory counter in order to handle uh uniqueness um collision. and for version four it's just the random uh seed like when implementing this i kind of implemented in a very kind of functional manner where you, you just call the function get a uid there's no objects in state and such but as the thing got bigger and dark changed over the years, now everyone wanted more object-oriented kind of design, um, and then you also have to deal with state and statelessness and um, just those kind of bugs. There, there's nothing, n- not a bug in the actual like UID or the spec. It's just the implementation of making sure everything matches exactly so that it's compatible with everyone else's um, kind of UIDs.
0: I mean, how how do you verify this? I mean, obviously you looked at the spec, you you wrote according to spec, I'm guessing you wrote some tests ahead and looked deeply at the code.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have tests um, for testing, like a few test cases that I know, like the exact output for. Uh, I tested for like making sure that I can generate 10 million unique ones, um, which is a requirement because there's a specific implementation detail for it. But the specs uh, usually have what they call vectors. It's usually a security thing, uh, uh, most common, like security specs, um, for security algorithms. And they have like the whole process where they give you like the input and all the transformations that happen in between and the output. So while I don't necessarily test the in-betweens, um, I do have tests for the input and output portion for like the whole entire, like set of vectors. And that gives us a reasonably good accuracy that you have implemented it correctly. Um, and then I just added a bunch of extra stuff for my own implementation and Dart specific things, um, like const, const constructors and, con, and stuff like that.
0: I mean, you're, you're talking about, um, all, again, also like this uh, nano microseconds thing. I mean, uh, Dart isn't by any means slow, but I mean, if you're working with like JavaScript, obviously it's gonna be much slower, like in the web. Right. So how, how specific can you really be with this in terms of like getting that kind of precision?
1: I mean, you can be as specific as your time precision allows you to. So um, and again, there's only so much information you can fit inside the UID. So going up to nanoseconds isn't really important. Milliseconds is all you really need to do um so by going all the way to nanoseconds you're just kind of skipping parts of the implementation so you don't have to deal with it but by having to do milliseconds to be like compatible with javascript and the dart default implementation it you still have to it it requires you to implement like the clock sequence counter portion the node portion and like you you have to implement the entire spec properly for it to, to function properly um But the spec itself only really requests millisecond precision. So anything more than that is just, um, what people use, like some languages don't really, when you select like milliseconds from Epoch, you have that or nanoseconds or something like that. So, um, I didn't have to really deal with that outside of just implementing it properly.
0: Okay um i, I mean let, let's kind of roll back a little bit like how, how did you even get into uuids to begin with because that's a very <laughs> complicated thing
1: i started out as a backend engineer in my career uh and nowadays i'm a devops engineer um but back like back then Node.js was all the rage and all of a sudden dart comes out onto the scene and I use Node.js for the backend portion of it because I, I do backend work. And they saw Dart as a potential, as a great alternative to Node.js in the backend. So my focus is always on backend Dart, which isn't necessarily that popular nowadays. Uh, but back then it was like one of the main things outside of the front end work. Um, so I actually made a bunch of libraries. I have the UID library, I have OTP. I even tried to do a um, Sinatra style uh, HTTP handler framework, called uh, for a while, but I kind of stopped that, uh, as it didn't really take off. Um, but I've been kind of using Dart from the beginning. And when in the beginning, there was no UIDs for Dart, there was nothing in the standard library, um, but I do back in development. So I needed UIDs. So I implemented it, uh, and back then there was no AES, uh, implemented. There's no crypto library, like a central crypto library. So I ported a JavaScript. AES li- like a library to dart and was using that internally for a while uh, until a more central crypto library came out onto the scene. I started using that instead. Um, so yeah, that's what got me into UID. Like it was just necessity really. And I really liked the language. So I was like, I wanted it to succeed. So I got a lot of like core function, like core libraries implemented just for my use, but for others to use too.
0: You're using Dart on the back end in your your work.
1: No, no. no. I used to. This is like 10 years ago, like when Dart first came out. I was using Dart for my own personal back end work. Um, I have never used Dart in a professional setting. There's no company that I work for that I worked with Dart. Um, One of them did use it for front end stuff, but I wasn't on those teams because I'm not a front end dev.
0: Yeah, I, I got that part, but I mean, like, what were you doing with it, like back then? Because even now, it's for. I mean, when you are saying back end, you are talking about like working with a database, accepting HTTP requests, or like what are you actually doing in the back end with it?
1: Yeah, I, I was mostly just handling, making web servers and like little app things. Uh, Most of it was just personal projects, um, nothing major. But I knew that others would need it, so I built the libraries more for others than for me, um, because again, I want I like Dart as a language, so I wanted. to succeed so i wanted to have the tools that others would need uh trying to join onto the ecosystem
0: Uh, that's that's interesting because usually people build it for themselves and then they're like well i guess other people probably need this rather than saying okay people probably need this and also i do so let me build it for others and then it's obviously byproduct is me it's a little bit selfishness that doesn't seem right for for normal people
1: i don't know i don't really remember what i was thinking at the time it's been a while but um i don't necessarily think it was for Truly selfless reasons, I think the me part was big enough where it it felt necessary, but um, it was
0: just a good combo of both of those requirements. I understand. Uh, I'd kind of like to hear more about your, just real quick to talk about the experience of the back end, because you're saying like 10 years ago, I mean, 10 years ago, uh, I guess we had shelf, I mean, what was the, what was life like back then before shelf? Well, this was before Shelf, uh, Shelf was the reason I stopped working on my, my, my Sinatra fork, or fort. Maybe you can give us some history because I, I don't know what life was like for HTTP before Shelf, because Shelf is like the core of every backend at the moment. You use the HTTP, hand, like the HTTP li-
1: like the library directly, like you would set up a server, you would hook into the, there was like a single function that you pass into the HTTP server that would re- get all requests, and you would have to partition them out yourself. Uh, to the proper handlers that would do the work. So when I was writing like the Sinatra port thing, um, I was doing all that. Like there was a loop and that would just constantly read from the socket and just pass the things based on pattern matching and all that stuff. Like I was using the built-in HTTP library, so I wasn't like parsing raw HTTP requests or anything. Like there was some like help from the standard library, but that's... It's a lot like using HTTP and Go, Go, kind of, like you get this raw HTTP information and you can make it as simple as possible for yourself. And, uh,
0: but then the Shelf came along, so that made things easier. Well, well what were you using uh, UUIDs for at this time that you were like, okay, I need to make this package? Well,
1: I was thinking of using Dart as a general language and I was really into like, again, I'm a backend developer, so working with databases, I needed to put UODs into a database for uh, like uh, IDs. Uh, I knew UODs were good for like just unique identifiers for user information or item information. I was also, the reason I got into programming as a teenager was I wanted to be a video game developer. but then I was really into MMOs as a genre. So I knew if I ever wanted to make an MO, I needed to store information in a database and have it uniquely identifiable. So I used UEDs in other like languages that were already built in. And when I got to Dart, I'm like, well, I need UADs. Like, I need to be able to do this.
0: So there we go. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, um... Okay, I mean, the other thing I have to ask is, I mean, it's it's a long time to working on this. On well, you're not working on only one package, right? Because we talked before the show that you have, that you're like, what, why this package?
1: I mean, nowadays I only have three packages uh, that I really maintain because I don't use Dart that actively. Uh, just again, because the the backend side didn't really hit off as much. So, and I don't really do a lot of front-end work. So Flutter, wh- why I use different here and there for my own kind of like little attempts at a project? I never really use it for anything nowadays, Um, but I maintain the UID library, the OTP library for one-time passwords um, and the base 32 library, which is used for, it was necessary for the OTP, for the one-time password library for like, uh, for making the little strings that people paste in as secrets, you need a base 32 for those. Um, So those are the three that I still maintain. I had a few attempts at a few other uh, packages where I wanted to make, um, like devopsy tools in dart, like, uh, similar to Capistrano in Ruby or something where you could manage servers with it. Um, but that didn't really hit off and I kind of just used Ruby tools back then because I was working, uh, working at a company that was using Ruby for DevOps stuff like chef and so on. But, um, for Dart, like those were the th- three main ones. I was, again, attempted at doing a um, HP middleware kind of framework, but um, it's a lot of work to do that. And I just as I was like midway through it, Shelf came out, I'm like, okay, well, Shelf exists. There's really not a huge reason to build this. So I kind of just archived
0: it and moved on. Well, that, that's interesting. I mean, you and me have uh, kind of a, I don't know, I used Ruby quite a bit before um, obviously, I'm familiar with, with uh, Sinatra and Shelf. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, what do you think? For me, my, my, the the Shelf stuff kind of reminds me of a lot of, uh, like, Rack in Ruby. Is it kind of similar to a certain extent? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh,
1: that's a valid well, assessment. To be fair, I didn't really use Shelf much because um, at the time I wasn't using... Dart professionally for anything. So I didn't have any projects that needed uh, a web framework at the time. Uh, and by the time I did need something like shelf, Dart backhand wasn't really going anywhere as much. So I just never built with Chef specifically, but I've read the spe- like the APIs and such like the docs for it. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I think rack is a good comparison to what I remember.
0: Yeah, because to me it's kind of like a standard where you can plug it, plug it into different HTTPS and th- things like that. And if it's shelf compatible,
1: yeah, it's a lot more flexible than what I was building. Like, you can it was designed to be something you can build on top right. of. Um, I think Shelf was at least when I what I remember from it. It might have changed over the years since then, but like um, I felt it was a good foundational. Like system like rack uh where you could build things on top of to make things easier uh to work with like so um that's kind of how I saw
0: shelf being more of a foundational library for other bigger, better things, okay, yeah, I was kind of curious if if other people thought the same thing and it sounds like in my kind of assessment assessment was was uh was seems to be in line um. I mean, so kind of going back, like working for UUID for, for over 10 years, I mean, what kind of keeps you working on it? Because you're not really using a lot of Dart these days, right?
1: I guess my own pride. Um, I just want to make sure that it keeps working for those that need it. I know that's used by a lot of other uh, like libraries and tools. I mean, I've had pull requests and bug reports from Google employees that use it internally for like Google stuff, like little apps and such. So Like I know that it's used very heavily and to be fair, I have um, in certain regards thought about trying to hand it off to someone else. Um, I don't want to do that lightly though, because having seen what happens in the Node.js world, I don't want someone just kind of co-opting it and using it for uh, malicious purposes, especially for such a library. So I've, kind of thought about that, but at the moment I, I still kind of enjoy fixing the bugs, adding adding the new UIDs was a really fun thing to do because I kind of refactored the entire library from the ground up. Um, and yeah, I mean, just kind of more of uh, a pride thing. I just, I think it was, it's a something that I've worked on a long time and just wanted to make sure it works for others still. Like. And to be fair it doesn't require a lot of maintenance yeah uh most of the bug reports i get are um actually i don't really get much bug reports either it's most of the bug reports are people just not understanding like the flags that i have for it so they ask like oh it's not working in this situation like just just do this real quick and then i try to update the docs to be more clear um or they require like or new features and data are added like uh nullability or null safety Mm -hmm. sorry and constant constructor, const classes, and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, let's add those because they're being requested. And then, so when I wanted an object for the UIDs, so then I added objects, like object functions for UIDs,
0: so that you get an object out of it,
1: um, stuff like that. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of work
0: anymore nowadays on it. Was it really like, was it originally just like a string of all the characters before?
1: Yeah, originally I just uh, returned it. I had two functions. One uh, would return the the bytes into a buffer, like a list of some sort, a byte list, or it would return it as a string that's like hexadecimal, you know, the standard UID uh, format. Uh, but then people wanted the object form and then they wanted better. null like null safety was a big thing. So I managed to update that. And then over the years, the thing is vastly different from when I originally like built it. And to be fair, when I built it originally, I was using a Node.js library, an MIT licensed one uh, to kind of just like use as a reference to build it. Um, it, You couldn't copy and paste, obviously, but there was enough kind of similarity that I could like port it pretty easily. But and I think I even um, in the original, like I think for version one, two, and three of it, I, or one and two, I included the original author as part of the implement, like, as a credit or something of the Node.js library.
0: So now, so now have you diverged enough that you're saying, okay, this is now kind of a, not much.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely, especially with the version four kind of refactor that I'm doing with the new UADs, it's completely a new implementation. So like, uh, it's completely unique
0: to Dart in terms of the way I have it designed. I guess the, the kind of like the next question is like, what's what's next for the UID package? I mean, did you already add all the new features of RIP for Dart 3? Uh,
1: yes, I mean, UID should be updated to all the latest features uh, to my knowledge that I'm aware of. Um, I tend to uh, keep an eye on just new major versions of what's changed. And if there's anything I need to change, I do it. Um, and uh, Dart 3 was one thing I did. I also have added, there's a version four beta in for UID, which has um, the complete refactor that I did and ver- uh, version six, seven and eight of the UID draft spec. Um, so people can play with that that want it. And then once it becomes a final spec change, I'll make any remainder changes, but I've been kind of involved with implementing the UID six stuff since early on. So it's been kind of there for a while. Um, yeah I mean that's I'm pretty much expecting bug reports for anything that doesn't work quite right and just maintenance from there because again it's not something too complex but could have bugs here and there
0: I also want to kind of touch more base on on you kind of looking at handing this off to somebody else. Are you still looking to do that would you would you like to kind of make that plea or are you're on the fence still
1: I mean I've been kind of casually doing it. I originally, uh, opened a issue on the Dart uh, Lang like repository in GitHub, um, saying that um, I want to try and hand it off. My idea originally was maybe merge it, like trying to get it into the Dart SDK or standard library directly, so that it's no longer a library because it's such a kind of. I feel like UIDs are a fairly common and important feature yeah. for most languages. But uh, while they agree that was important, they didn't want it in the standard library. So they said they would help me find someone that looked like that could take it over um, at some point. And then I was in the dark community uh, Discord uh, and I vaguely mentioned something similar. And there was a, someone that mentioned that there was a Flutter dev group that could take it over and told me a name to ping in that issue. And they said they'd take a look and discuss it if they want to take it on or not. So that's like more of a casual conversation. I'm not in a rush. Uh, and I want to make sure that it's transferred to someone that actually cares and doesn't want to use it for anything
0: malicious, obviously. But like,
1: uh, I wouldn't just hand it off easy,
0: like just willingly. I mean, uh, malicious like, I mean, I always hear there's a lot of Node.js packages that have secret miners in there for for crypto.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I'm worried about because, again, UID is used by a lot of tools and packages, and I just don't want that um, that to worry about that, really, or at least be more confident that I have passed it off to someone that, you know, will care about it. While I do want to pass it off at some point because, again, I'm not really as involved in Dart nowadays, uh, i rather I
0: maintain it for the foreseeable future than do it, like pass it off incorrectly in a sense. I'm kind of curious about your criteria. Like, how do you know if this person would be the right person to to do that? Well, I would ideally not pass it off to one person, but maybe ideally to
1: like maybe some kind of collective or um, a group that would maintain it. Um, just one person would probably be one criteria that I would eliminate them effectively. Um, because I feel that just puts too much emphasis on one person to continue maintaining it while if it's part of a collective or a group that maintains this like further, even if someone, if people leave and join that group, there's still someone that might look after it. And uh, it's less likely to be used for um, something malicious because there's like uh, probably like a governance body in that group or at least multi-person decision making and stewardship. So um, I think a single person pass off would
0: not happen. Ideally.
1: So that's one main criteria.
0: It's interesting because you're also a single person, right?
1: Yes. And, um, that's partially why I want to pass it off. Cause you know, I've, um, I became a father recently and, uh, I don't have the time to really work on a lot of side projects, but at the same time, um, the reason like I, want to pass it off as one time but also that one person thing if god forbid something happens to me tomorrow for whatever reason all of a sudden the, the library dies or it needs to be forked for someone else to maintain it um this way there's less user customer kind of impact and it'll be maintained by someone nicer and like or, or group like even if i join a group and maintain it for a while for that group that would be fine for me too as long as there's more than just me like if i'm just really busy or just can't get to it and i can just ping someone in that group saying "Look, you know i can you can you take care of this bug or whatever um or something like that i don't know like it definitely needs to be controlled by more than one person
0: is my philosophy you got to
1: increase the bus
0: factor basically right
1: exactly and the re- only reason it's just me is because I created the library and no one has, else has kind of wanted to take it over because there's, again, not much work to do, I'm like, I'm just fielding bugs, like, once or twice a year or whenever there's a new Dart feature.
0: Yeah, so the, the, the input or the, um, what do you call that, the amount of effort required at this moment is, is not much unless there's language change or whatever. Exactly.
1: Uh, there's a little bit more work now just because I'm adding a whole bunch of new features in the refactor, but uh, it's been working. Tests are passing. All my all my, stuff, all my tests are passing for all versions that I support. And most of it is just like if someone has some weird internal edge cases that they like hit that I'm not aware of that I might be able to handle inside the code. Uh, but most of the beta aspect of it is because the 6, 7, and 8 are no, not final spec versions and I was kind of hoping and it's going to happen sometime in the next month or so I believe that'll become final based on my understanding so I'll probably release the final version around when that becomes final but the beta should be stable people can use it now I'm just I get not necessarily paranoid but I really want things to be like clean before I say this is the final version even if it already works really well
0: Okay, I mean, so so I guess uh, to ask about you know upcoming features, right? It sounds like if there's any changes in in the language itself, those would be those would be done. Uh, yeah. If there's any bugs, those would be fixed. Uh, yeah. New versions of the UID when those are finalized, those would be done. There's really nothing else, right? Is there anything else yeah. that's in your mind? Uh, no. It's pretty much a complete package then.
1: It is a complete package. It's effectively in maintenance mode nowadays. Uh, A few years ago, I was even thinking of making a generic package that handled multiple hashing systems like ULID and um, XID and Snowflake and UAD and just jumbled them all into one package so people can just pick and choose. Uh, But then time got the best of me and I never even got started on that. So if someone or some future maintainer or someone else wants to take the code and merge it into a bigger package of just um unique identifier systems uh that'd be cool that that's an effort i don't i don't see a whole lot of um implementations in Dart for like xid or snowflake or all the other possible um, new ones nowadays so if someone's interested in this kind of stuff, there's there's still work that can be done in Dart uh for new features. Uh UID is just not really one of them anymore.
0: Yeah. It's it's really uh we had another recording actually yesterday, uh talking about <clears throat> uh, it's called box transform. Basically, it's kind of I I think that UUID package is in a similar boat where it's like there's a there's quite a bit of effort to get it going. And when you use it, it looks simple. It's because there's so much underneath the hood that's happening that people just don't realize. And it takes uh, quite a bit of effort and people just don't recognize or uh, appreciate the effort put into that, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I would feel that's um, similar to UID and my other two libraries. They seem simple, but you have to understand what the algorithms involved and how, um, like cryptography can be evolved or random. Like just the difference between math random and crypto random uh, changes a lot of things. Um, one of one of the things I think uh, need to be like uh, I think it was the OTP library needed cryptographically secure random number generation, and or even the UID might has the option for it. I believe um, which generates was needed for certain fields where you need a cryptographically secure random number. You can't just use math random. So there's little things like that and having kind of like uh, masking that from the user to make it easy to use is the hard part because now you have to figure out how to use math random and a crypto random from the same function, but without impacting the user's kind of user experience. Um, And uh, in the UID implementation i just have a util library called util where there's a crypto function and a math version of it and it defaults the math one um, and if you need crypto like cryptographically secure you just pass in the uh, crypto one you don't have to implement it yourself you just pass in as an option and that will get you what you need um so there's stuff like that there's just a lot in the hood of just kind of branching and handling a bunch of variations, um, also handling customizability, like if you want to pass a custom seed or a custom clock or a custom portion of it for any reason or generated differently from what I want to generate it. That's all part of the spec. So that needs to be implemented. But again, still may kind of transparent to the user and kind of easy to use. Like the default case should be call the function with two pieces of information. Um, while if you really want something off the beaten path, you can do it, but it's gonna take time to like read through the docs,
0: to figure out what, what, what to pass. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, I I really love uh, love UUIDs and uh, I think we did use this package in one thing and that was actually to generate UUIDs to insert into a database.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's probably the more common um, use case for it or to generate j- random tokens for like, I don't know, tickets or something, but it's still, uh, injecting UIDs into a database is probably ninety
0: to ninety-nine percent of the use case for it. I mean, you could also use it to generate the keys for your widgets in Flutter too. I think, but that may be a little bit overkill. But doesn't doesn't it'll definitely make it random or uh, unique? I would say, yeah,
1: that's true. Or if you need to have them sortable, you can use the new UID version six uh, variation. Where it's the same as version one, but they put the time in the front instead of in the back. So you can now sort properly by the beginning of the uh, of the UID because it's now just the time time sort. Um, and seven is the same way. So you just um, a more a more modern version of UID. So v 6 is designed to be just a rearrangement of V1. So in a lot of cases, there's even functions where you can convert a V1 to a V6 just by moving things around and flipping the version number. Uh, Version seven is a completely new modern version where it's like uh, more precision for time. You can actually insert nanosecond precision into your UID um, and focuses more on random data versus like MAC addresses and other stuff. So it has stuff, you can do stuff like that, but the main The default recommendation is to use as much random data as possible, while still using time to sort and such.
0: For the MAC address part, something that always made me wonder is like nowadays, I mean, you have ethernet, you have Wi Wi Fi, you may even have multiple multiple, uh, ethernet ports. Like how does it choose which MAC address to use? It just picks one or it picks the first one? I mean, that's
1: usually provided by the user as part of the function. Uh, you would set it as the node. That's why it's called node because it's like the server node. Um, you would usually insert MAC address information in that. Um, I forget off the top of my head the actual implementation of how it's used, but um, it's it was designed so that two computers next to each other on the same network will generate unique identifiers without knowing anything about each other. Um, so it, it has its use case even today, but with um, time and random numbers being as accurate as they are today, it's not as important. Um, And if you really, really, really need uh, that kind of thing, you can also use version seven as a version eight, and then just insert whatever additional data you want into it or customize the implementation how you want. I think that's where version eight is gonna be used most of. Is to take an existing UID implementation and just kind of tweak it to something slightly different, either to add more information, more randomness, or a different time format. Like my version eight has the time format in human-readable form in the hex, so that in the string, so that you can actually see what the time of the UID is just by looking at the UID without having to parse the uh, the milliseconds from epoch portion of it. So, and that's just something I thought would, would be interesting, but it's again, version eight is kind of a wild west.
0: Well, that's what always worries me is when you have this kind of wild west style that people will be doing whatever.
1: Yeah. But that's the whole point of version eight and you have to put the version eight version number in it. So like you can always tell what version of UID is by looking at the, I think it's the first or the second segment of four digits. So you have the first segment, which is like eight, and you have a segment of four. In that segment, the first number is the version of the UID. So it'll be one, two, one through one through eight, and all version fours have a four there. All version sevens have a seven there. So you always know what version it is. So if you get a version eight, you know, okay, this is this is something completely could be anything. And I think version eight is going to be used very infrequently. I think it was added purely for future proofing purposes and for vendor-specific stuff. I think version 8 is going to be the least used one of the bunch that's added. Version 7, I think, is going to be the most used uh, for new stuff. And version 6 is kind of a compatibility to version 1
0: kind of thing. Here, here like you said, I, I guess it does make sense if you can have UIDs IDs and you can stick some more information in there, that, that does make some sense that that would be used more internally.
1: Yeah. And version eight also includes the concept of uh, namespaces, but also as the concept of hash spaces. So you can use different hashing algorithms and know which algorithm it's using by using a hash space, Uh, which is like, it looks like a UID, but you just kind of like effectively combine the two to get a new uh, UID out of it and then you know that if you you can use certain um different hash like you can use uh SHA two fifty six or a three eighty four or SHA three if you want. There's a lot of hash spaces right now. Or even Blake 2 if you really wanted to. But it allows you to um really adjust a lot of
0: knobs. Uh, what's V? what what they use they use for V8 is. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we talked uh, and we got good kind of roundabout UUIDs, uh, and we, we there's basically somewhat of a call for assistance or or a takeover for for the package, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's not urgent. It's not like it's uh, I'm being overwhelmed with stuff, but I just don't want it to rot either. It's I think it's an important package, so I mean, I'm perfectly capable of maintaining it for the foreseeable future, uh, even if it takes two years to find. A proper new steward for it. That's how long it takes. Um, it's just I'm just kind of calling it out that that's going to happen at some point. Uh,
0: but until then, I'm going to keep it updated and maintained until then. Now you did mention you're a father, right? You're not considering to breed your the person to take it over, right? It's not part of this plan.
1: No, uh, that may be a little. It's going to take a that that'll take too long for for that kind of thing, um, like. My youngest is, or the one that's here is only like a year and a half, and we have a second coming soon. But that's again, that's ten plus years before they can even worry about coding.
0: Well, oh, you're building, you're building your team right now, right? I, I am, but I mean, UAD needs a maintainer until. Then. <laughs> But hey, who you know you would never imagine you'd still be working on this ten years later, right? So
1: nobody knows. That is true. I, I did not expect to be maintaining UAD uh, so long into Dart's lifetime. Uh, I, I generally thought it's like years ago it would just end up in the in the standard library by like someone at Google implementing it can finally retire it. But no, those,
0: those things are still external libraries. So um, is what it is. Yeah, I, I I can imagine uh, why that's probably not in there. And there's always this kind of thing, like, do we add it? If we do, then, you know, if there's a problem with that, then we have to release a new version of Dart with the fix. There's a lot of this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, um, the, that was part of the issue in the conversation. Uh, if people can find the issue if they want on in the issue tracker. Uh, I think it's for the standard library. It's in there, I think. But um, it's probably the only ticket related to UIDs. Um, but yeah, there's like conversation between me and, uh, Google dev and saying like, hey, look, we talked about it, but it's not the right place. The standard library is not the right place for it
0: based on a lot of factors. So it, it
1: makes sense too,
0: but, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well again, thank you for coming on and talking about your UIDs and, uh, also about your other packages. No problem. Those are also extremely useful and. I didn't even know, was it base 32? I didn't even think that was even a thing. I always remember base 64, never really base 32. Base 32 is a way to get some nicer, shorter,
1: or nicer, more readable hashes. It's, it doesn't have symbols and stuff like that. It's it kind of, depending on which alphabet you use for it,
0: uh, if you use like Crockford's, for it, for example, it doesn't have I's and O's, and, like there, there's stuff like that. Okay. Well, again, thanks for coming on and maybe we'll have you back on again in the future. I'd be happy to be on. Thank you for having me.